Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This podcast was created for entrepreneurs who are seeking motivation, digital marketing tips, personal development resources, and a nice dose of comic relief. Now for your host, Jason Wright. What's going on, everybody? This is Jason Wright with another episode of the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. And we do have an incredible guest this week, but before we jump into that, I want to revisit the age-old story of the tortoise and the hare. I think it's really easy as an entrepreneur to get in a rush to be successful or to get in a rush to hit our goals, but we have to remember the tortoise and we have to remember that slow and steady wins the race. I think there's always going to be ups and downs. There's always going to be challenges you don't anticipate. I don't think anybody's immune to those, but it's all in how you react and respond to those and how you overcome those. So keep that in mind. If you want to speed up, sometimes you have to slow down. Since entrepreneurship in this episode is all about mindset, this episode is brought to you by the Backwards Route to Forward Progress. It is seven solutions for crushing fear, self-doubt, and limiting beliefs. If you want to check out that book, you can go to thebackwardsroutebook.com. Now today I've got an awesome guest with me. I've got Jeff Hall from the Overflow Cafe. And if the first four minutes of this podcast don't grab your attention over anything else you're doing, there's something wrong with you. Very, very, very good episode. Like I said, those first four minutes are going to really grab your attention and hold on to you tight. Enjoy. What is going on, everybody? I've got another great guest with me this week. I've got Jeff Hall from the Overflow Cafe. Let me tell you what I know about Jeff. Jeff is the founder and CEO of the Overflow Cafe. He is a serial entrepreneur and SEO expert. Another cool thing, he's helped build 14 orphanages worldwide. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you, Jason? Thanks for having me on the show. Doing great. Glad you're here. So I was looking around a little bit and I saw that you got your start as an entrepreneur nice and early at the age of seven. Tell me about those humble beginnings. You know what? It might have even been earlier than age seven because I remember being really poor um, in grade one. And I mean, we were poor all the time. My my uh, mom and dad, they weren't great at, or my mom and stepdad, they weren't great at managing money. And I was always the one that had to suffer. You know, they, they rarely suffered because they had booze and cigarettes and new clothes and they partied all the time, unlimited alcohol. And uh, as for me, I always suffered. And I remember grade one, I wasn't able to go on any school trips. And um, uh, there was this one school trip that was free. Uh, to an apple orchard. And uh, basically, the teacher gave a note that said, you know, give your kids spending money. And everybody got like 10 or 15 bucks. And I got $1. And my parents thought that was something. And when we got to the apple orchard, everybody bought uh, a thing of uh, like a container of apple cider. And I was the only one that wasn't able to buy anything. And the the teacher was disgusted by me. And uh uh, at the school, uh, it's a French immersion school, uh, Yorkview Public School in Toronto. Um, they had a policy that when you when you got to the school in the winter time, 
you would wear your boots and you would take off your boots and switch into indoor shoes. Well, I only had one. I didn't have boots. I had one one pair of shoes. And, uh, you know, my parents weren't going to buy me a second pair of shoes. And so, um, you know, I told them about the policy. They said, you know, don't worry about that. You just wear your shoes. So the teachers, uh, as vicious as they were, they made me just take off my shoes and walk around this whole school day with my socks on. And I actually have uh, for the school photograph. Uh, I don't know if you remember those old uh, the group uh, photos for school. Oh, yeah. Um, they actually, I'm not wearing any shoes. I've just wearing my socks. Uh, so in one, I'm just wearing my socks in another one, me and my friend Tomer, we're both wearing our socks. Everybody else is wearing shoes. Uh, of course they made us, uh, sit in the front row so that you could, you know, see clearly how embarrassed we were. And then luckily in one, uh, another one, the photographer was, uh, graceful enough to put the little black, you know, that little, the old black thing that would say the name of the school and the year and so on. He put it in front of my feet nice, so that, so that nobody would see my socks, but like this went on for years. So I, uh, I remember I, I don't know how I got two bucks. I collected pennies or something from the ground or I, I did something. I found some quarters or nickels or something. I came up with like about two bucks I bought a bunch of candy from the store. And back then, candy was like five cents or something. Ten cents, you get a, a bunch of bubble gum. And I'd bring it back to school, and I would just sell it. And all the kids at Yorkview, they had money. So, you know, they'd give me money. And uh, and I, you know, got five bucks, ten bucks, twenty, thirty, forty bucks. And, uh, you know, for a grade one, it's decent. It's not too bad. And uh, one day, my my mom was cleaning the the apartment. And she found the money and she gave me a good beating and confiscated all the money. And I had to start doing that again from scratch. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically how it started out. Just me selling candy uh, for the first couple of years. And uh, I the crazy thing is I rarely got to eat any candy, but I was able to sell it and make money and go on trips. I would forge not that I recommend this, but I would forge my my parents signature on the on the permission slips. Yeah, jungle just, rules. Do what you yeah, gotta do, yeah. you know. And I and I would just go on these these trips, and I would have money, and people would say, "Wow, you know, Jeff, you your your parents are rich," and I'm like, <laughs> "You have no idea what I'm doing right now. I am such a horrible person, you know, forging forging signatures and and so on and so forth." But uh, yeah, whatever I had to do to survive all the way uh, as far back as I can remember, grade one. Well, I mean, I hate to hear that because my my daughter's seven and I'm trying to put her in that situation in my mind and I came and do it. So I hate yeah. the, what you had to go through, but the silver lining is it taught you to be an entrepreneurial animal, you know, very, very young. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when you get out of school, and I, I know you've run several successful ventures, where do you get into your first venture where you start making, you know, really good money? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this, you know? Yeah, I was. Uh, I actually had to drop out of high school. Um, so I was 15 years old. Uh, I'm 38 now. I'm turning 39 this year. So uh, it was 1995. And my, you know, my parents weren't. They had jobs, but they weren't good with money. So the house was always filled with booze, uh, cigarettes. They were always having parties. Uh, the police were at our house all the time because of the parties. But that's what they spent their money on. So when it came time for for bills. <laughs> the bills were always overdue. We had collection agencies calling us all the time. And oftentimes I would be the one to pick up the phone and, you know, nine years old, 10 years old, handling the collection agent. 
Well, anyways, uh, when I was 15, I found out we were going to lose our home. We were going to be evicted. We were a couple months overdue. And it irritated me because at that time, I was making really a couple hundred bucks a month just doing all these different ventures. I had a little snow shoveling business and uh, all, all these different little businesses I was running while I was doing school. I was happy. I had money. Um, you know, there's, let's even say it was almost a thousand bucks a month that I was bringing in for the family. And I was shocked. I said, what do you mean we're going to lose our home? What are you doing with all the money? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, can you not pay? Do I need to pay the bills directly? This is ridiculous. I, I have, you know, teenagers have enough stress as it is. And then to add on this, this other, this financial burden. So they said, oh no, Jeff, you know, we need to come up with X thousands of dollars. And I'm like, ah, X thousands of, it, I, I don't remember the amount, but it was, it was uh, just a insurmountable amount of money at the time to save the home. And uh, what I did, I, I started this company, uh, Overflow Cafe. And um, it was, it was a joke at first because this was when I was 15, but when I was in grade eight, uh, I had this teacher, Mr. Morris. He overheard me making fun of computers. Uh, you know, we had gotten computers in the school and my friend Tony had gotten this computer and I was like, oh, yeah, my name's Tony. I can I can do your taxes. I didn't know anything about computers at the time. We certainly couldn't afford one. And Mr. Morris, I guess, somehow heard me making fun of Tony so much. He thought that I was really great with computers. And the school's computer broke. This is grade eight. And uh, so he says, hey, Jeff, could you go fix, could you go fix uh, you know, the computer? I'm like, well, anything to get out of class. You know? <laughs> so he let me out of class. And I, I fooled around with the school's computer until I fixed it. And I had no idea what I was doing because I really had never touched a computer. I was just doing a bunch of nonsense. But I, I, you know, by some magic, it fixed, apparently. And the teachers loved me and they would have, you know, these old computers, they break down all the time. And it was cheaper for the for the school to let me skip class and fix their machines than to then call in the repair person and pay him a fortune every time. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I did that for fun when I was younger to get out of class. Now I'm 15. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to do that because I know what the school was paying those technicians to come in and fix these machines. So I, we started just by like, I say we, cause I got my friends involved really fast. Um, uh, my friend, Steve, uh, there's like a couple other people. I, I don't even remember their names, but I, I just taught them like, do this, do that. This is how you take out a motherboard. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. And they would do all that stuff and we'd be just be fixing. And I'd say, look, you know, recommend me to the, you know, that school and that school. And they would, it was just, I piled up thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, um, in a short amount of time. Uh, and what I realized was, you know what? I like this. I really, really like this, like making money, having financial stability and being in charge. I, I hate not being in charge of my own life. I like being in charge of it. Uh, I like knowing for the most part, you know, what's going on. You can never be fully in control, but I like having, you know, above average control. And, um, uh, I basically, uh, I dropped out. I dropped out. I said, you know, I can't continue doing this and supporting my family and doing school because my grades tanked. My grades just totally tanked and the counselors were worried and, you know, they had called like, uh, like social services and stuff. And 
I'm like, I can't handle the stress. Do you want money or do you want good grades? They said, my family was like, well, we want money. I said, okay, (laughs) easy decision. So uh, I just started doing this full time. And uh, it quickly evolved into me. Uh, I had this uh, martial arts instructor that I knew. And he said, hey, Jeff, could you, you know, build me a website? And I'm like, yeah, I can. Well, I've never done that before. Built him a website. And he says, well, now can, you know, can, uh, can we get like a, a ton of customers to this website, you know, or through the website? I said, well, well, yeah, yeah, of course. And I didn't know what that, you know, what that meant. I'm 15 years old. But I made it happen. And I said, hey, I'm good at this. I'm really, really good at this. And um, he recommended me to someone and, and that person recommended and, and just little by little by little by little, this small company evolved. And I'm still doing it today. Uh, love it. We're still a tiny company, 17 people here in Toronto. The whole staff, we're all friends with each other. And uh, we, you know, most days we have fun. We go to the movies together. We go to uh, you know, we go to dinner together, we hang out and stuff like that. Um, we're all buddies, I, I think, for the most part. And um, we just help make websites popular. It's the one and only thing we do. And uh, I actually still have, I still have a couple customers uh, today who were with me on day one. Wow. Yeah. When you were telling the story, the the saying, jump and find your wings on the way down came to mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love it, man. You're you're like, yeah, I can do that. And you're like, okay, now I got to figure out how to do it. That's good stuff. Most people are way too scared to do that, but great story. Great story. Yeah. I mean, hey, when you don't have a choice, right? Yep. <laughs> when you don't have a choice, you don't have a choice. So. Well, it's funny about that. I always say that entrepreneurs who's, who have never struggled are at a disadvantage for that reason, because when you've struggled or you've gone without or you faced you know pretty bad circumstances you have no choice but to overcome them. And people who have been handed everything, they don't have that extra gear. They don't have that extra level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, you're you're completely right. Actually, um, I'm just partway reading this book. Um, it's uh, by Damon John, the founder of FUBU, yep. uh, Power of Broke. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. So I'm like, wow, yeah, this is so true. You know, I, I almost feel like I'm at a disadvantage now because now I do projects I undertake different projects and I throw money. I throw money like I'm crazy, you know, and my accountant's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I have no idea. Just throw, you know, throw money, throw money at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's no passion there sometimes. And I'll just say, well, money will solve this. And, <laughs> you know, it, which is totally untrue. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I'm involved in um, if you uh, if you ever get a chance, you go to our website and scroll down to the bottom and go to my Kickstarter link. Uh, you'll see like over 200 Kickstarter projects that I've participated in. Mm-hmm. And um, some of these Kickstarter projects I get deeply involved in. And those founders, they have too much money and they throw money at it and it ends up not working out. And then other projects, they, they're like, you know what, we're setting a budget and it's going to be a very strict, small budget. And that's that. And these guys end up raising hundreds of percentages more, multiple times more than what they wanted. And the projects become a crazy, crazy, crazy success uh, because of that. So, yeah, you're totally right. Yes, yeah, so I've read. Uh, I haven't read that book. I've read another of Damon John's books and The Power of Broke. As soon as I heard that title, I was like, I've got to get that one at some point. 
I haven't done it yet, but um, no, the the first book I read, I kind of can't think of the name, but it was kind of his story and how he got started, and it's super powerful, you know. Yeah. Uh, when the back's against the wall, I mean, you either sometimes you have nowhere to run, you have no choice but to fight. So yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, what what's the toughest position you've ever found yourself in as an entrepreneur? Like, was there ever a moment where you're like, oh crap, this might fall apart? Like, yeah, oh, does one yes. of those stand out to you? Just one, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, you know what? Uh, two? Can I? Can I say yeah, two? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one was just like that—that that beginning time when you know when you're starting a business and you need it to make you need to make money right away. You have to compromise a lot. I char- I undercharged. I undercharged, and I took on customers that I would never like take on today. People that I just I totally despise. Mm-hmm. And scumbags, really. And you know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'll work with you. I need the money. I, oh, I hate that. I hate that. I need the money. Uh, you know, I, I don't like that. I don't like thinking it. I don't like feeling it or or saying it or anything. Uh, that that's really bad. Uh, the other thing is, when things are going well and you have an opportunity for expansion. And you're in that position, like, should I expand or or not? Should I take the risk? Like, you know, we we've had several opportunities to expand, and sometimes I've said, no, I'm just I like where we are, I like who we are as a company, I'm going to leave it at that. And then, like a year later, I'm like, oh no, you know, I I wish I would have taken that opportunity. Um, it, it's just these decisions that can really take away what you have. When you have nothing, like you said, when you have nothing, you could go all in. But when you have something, you know, now to risk it for something more, you know, you could lose big time or you can win. I don't know. I've I've lost a lot of that courage. People say, hey, you know, you've got 40 something thousand clients. Why not aim for 250,000, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I could. But then it's like, why should I? <laughs> Maybe I should just, you know, be who I am, stay small. It's a bit of a hit to my ego. I think I've gained a little bit of money. I've lost all my courage. Mm-hmm. So it's, the, it's those internal struggles. Yep. And it's interesting because they never go away from from what I gather. You know, I've yeah. talked to folks who haven't started an entrepreneurship and talk to folks that are working on a, a billion dollars a year in sales and everywhere in between. And we're all, you know, at the end of the day, we're all human. We're always going to struggle with something. It's really interesting what you said. You said, I've, I've gained money and lost courage. I like that. Yeah. Interesting. So if you think about most startups, you know, mo- well, I don't know what it is. It's 95% fail within five years. Why, why would you think most yeah. do fail? What do you think that's from? Oh my goodness. I, I feel like Part of it is natural. The business that they started wasn't meant to succeed anyways. Uh, we had a client who came to us a couple of days ago and said, you know, we've we just purchased like 10,000 of these wristbands that have like say, like motivational sayings on them or whatever, like yep. religious sayings on them. Yep. And we, and we want to sell them. And, and I'm like, OK, how much are, are you selling these for? I pulled up the website. They're, pull, they're, they're selling them for like a dollar. I'm like, okay, how much money are you making on these? They're like, well, you know, we're we're gonna make like fifty cents on each. I'm like, these things, the whole world is saturated with these wristbands, these you know, silicone wristbands. And now you've come in, you're gonna start from scratch, build a website, and and you want to be the number one seller of these bands worldwide. But 
if you ever have been to the store that sell these wristbands, they don't sell them. They're just sitting there, you know, just they, they've got a hundred in stock. You go back next month, they've got a hundred in stock. You go back next month, they've got a hundred in stock. Nobody's buying them. So a lot of businesses are antiquated right from the start. Uh, a lot of businesses, you know, uh, they were meant to fail. They're selling things that they shouldn't be selling. You don't need to go online and sell your $2 cell phone case. People are going to go to the dollar store and they're going to buy the $2 cell phone case. Go ahead and, and sell a $75 high-end designer cell phone case, but don't sell a $2 cell phone case. You're just not, you're going to fail. You're going to fail for sure. You know, it's interesting about what you said. There was a time when the wristband market was hot as heck, but you have to, you had to be an early adopter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that time yeah. is way behind us now. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. What, what, what are you going to start next? Your own farm? You know, you're gonna, <laughs> it's, it's, it's too ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. It's just, uh, you can't be so behind the times. And yeah, there are, you know, some things are cyclical and, you know, things, certain things come back, but, you know, you're making 50 cents on, on these things. It, what do you expect to make? Yep. You know, what, what money do you expect to make? So about 20, 25 minutes before we connected today on Skype, my wife and I were in a little town north of us and she said, oh man, look, Long John Silver's went out of business. And I don't know if you guys have, do you guys have Long John Silver's up there? I don't know if we do. I, I do know it though. I've been to the States many, many dozens okay. of times. Yeah. Okay. So you're familiar with it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you and I are similar age. I'm 36. I'll be 37 in August. And I said, Carmen, the place hasn't changed since we were born. Like they're doing the same thing today that they were doing in the early 80s and maybe before that. And you keep seeing that trend. I mean, companies that don't change die, you know? I mean, my company is called Intentionally Inspirational. I started, I was trying to make money with motivation. And now my my core value proposition is, you know, digital marketing automation because I, I saw that everybody benefited from motivation, but the money wasn't there. The yeah. other huge need I saw, probably a similar need to what you see, is that people struggle horribly with marketing and that type of thing. They don't know about it. They don't want to know about it, but they know they need it. So you pivot. You know, you pivot and you adjust and you roll with what makes sense for your company. And the people that are like, nope, 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 we're not doing that. I want to sell wristbands. We're going to sell wristbands. Well, you're going to take the wristbands to the grave with you because it's probably not yeah. going to work out. So exactly, very interesting. Yeah. And they have high hopes too. You know, they have high hopes that, oh, we're going to make $250,000 a year. And I'm trying to work the math out with them. Well, <laughs> do you know how many wristbands you have to sell to make that kind of money? They, they really haven't done the math. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from what you're talking about, they're going to have to sell a lot. You know, yeah. it, it's not fun having that conversation with somebody saying, hey, I know you want this to work, but the data is not looking good. I mean, people don't like to hear that, do they? I, I've been called a racist. I had a lady call me a racist, uh, a lady, this is a couple months ago, this is a couple months ago, she, she, she wanted to uh, start 21 magazines, print magazines, not online, print magazines, 21 different topics, all at the same time, and she set up a website, and she says, you know, Jeff, can you make this popular, and just get me, I want hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And I said, well, let's start with only one and, and go from there. Magazines aren't on an uptrend right now. They're on a downtrend. So let's start with one, the one that's most likely to succeed. 
she says, no, 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 no. You know, I have the look at this magazine here. And she's pointing to like Oprah's magazine and, and, you know, other magazines that have so many subscribers that I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, do you know how many millions of dollars went into these projects? And we don't even know if they make a net income. And you want to start 21 all at the same time. And her budget was like, her budget was like a hundred dollars a month or something. It always is with those people. Yeah. And I, I said, it's, it's not possible. Like even just to do the print job. And she says, well, yeah, but you're going to get me all these hundreds of thousands of subscribers. I said, no, I'm not. I, it, it's not possible. It's not going to work. You're, you're saying things that aren't real. You know, and ah, oh, you racist and hung up the phone. I said, this race has nothing to do with it. No, you can't, you can't do it. And I mean, uh, you're dealing with people, right? Yep. You're, you're dealing with people and there's all kinds. Some people are very reasonable and they'll say, oh, okay, okay. And they'll, they'll accept knowledge. They'll accept wisdom. They'll accept facts. Other people, they just won't. They're, they'll just call you names and they'll say, well, you know, the whole world is against me. And they're not bad people, but, you know, I feel like some of them can succeed if they would just accept reality and, and you know, choose one great idea and go with that and, and stick with it other than these harebrained ideas. 21 magazines. You know, there's some people that, that I talk to and I'll actually, uh, you know, I'll get off the phone with them or whatever and I'll just put on my calendar for like check back with them in a year. And their phone's been disconnected and their email bounces back. Mm-hmm. Their website is gone. You, you know what I mean? It's like, yep. why, why do that? It doesn't have to be that way. Yep. Well, I'm curious. Why 21 magazines of all the numbers? She had, <laughs> I asked that too. She had these ideas. I wonder she if had, we could get like, her on a three-way call right now. Oh, get my her. goodness. Good luck with that. Ma'am. Good luck with that. I've got so some questions for you. Yeah. 21 <laughs> Magazine. It, it, totally different things. Topics she didn't even know about. Horses and auto mechanics and football and fashion and makeup and and men's health and women's health and furniture and real estate. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You. I, I don't even know. And it was her. She was the one person doing all this stuff. She's going to write and, and she, you know, get advertisements and things like that. And she's like, why? You know, there, and she was naming publishing companies. And I said, you don't understand. Some of these publishing companies are 40 years old, 60 years old, 75 years old. You, you, <laughs> millions and millions of dollars and they're losing money. They're losing money, mm-hmm. you know, and they're shutting down magazines. You're trying to start up magazines. Ah. Uh, You'll love this, Jeff. Uh, about two and a half years ago, so it was October of 2015, I left corporate America and I was trying to start neighborhood magazines. And there's, I know they're in your area as well, but there's there's a bunch of companies doing it. And I was chasing the money. There's no passion involved. Didn't do any research, no proof of concept. Just dove in. This is my way out. Well, about two, three months in, I started, I sold a few ads, but the way it worked You had to sell so many ads before the magazine went to print. So I was still nowhere near the print goal. And a few months in, you know, I'm burning my savings about three times faster than I thought. I start looking around. I'm like, oh, crap, this might not, this might not end well. And I learned that there was, you know, four other magazines exactly like the one I was trying to launch in the same area. And I was like, oh, man, now what? But I learned a painful lesson that led to some really hard times financially. Um, had to beg people to help me pay my bills and buy food. Had to go back to corporate America. 
Um, just left there about two months ago, so I'm on my own again. But oh. obviously doing something that I'm good at and passionate about now, very, very different. But like you said, you know, print is definitely not on the upward trend. I mean, it's it's kind of a crazy idea. But 21 magazines, holy cow. I would be like, yep. ma'am, you're not going to like what I have to say, but I have to say it. I hate your idea. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody listening is a startup that's just getting going or maybe they've been chugging along for a while, what three tips would you offer for sustaining that business? Yeah, I've been thinking about this. You know, three tips. I'm I'm going to say, and I mean, I, I have so many tips, but I'm just going to, I'll give you three and, you know, they should add it to their list. Have a long-term perspective. You're, you're not going to be a millionaire tomorrow or next month or even next year, but you will be eventually. You can be. Uh, there, there are many, many, there are millions of people who have millions of dollars, millions of them. And so you can do it too. It's, you're not doing something new, but if you listen to those people's stories, they said, you know what? I thought I'd get there within a year, but it took me seven years. It took me 10 or 11 years. Okay. So you need to know you got to be in it for the long haul. And if you're, so then number two, if you are going to be in it for the long haul, it's got to be something that's sustainable, something that people actually want, you know? So maybe, uh, you don't know anything about anything. Go into real estate. We're always going to need somewhere to live. But don't go into wristbands. Don't start a magazine. Don't do this hocus pocus nonsense stuff that's just not going to work. You know, do something that's timeless. Um, and then number three, uh, take it one day at a time. Take it one day at a time. With that, you've got a long-term view. You've got a good business. Take it one day at a time. Otherwise, you're going to get stressed out. You know, we take things one day at a time. We've got clients that take things one day at a time and, you know, they just live their life. They wake up, they do their work, they, you know, they build their business, whether it's a full time or, you know, a lot of our clients, it's a, we call it a side hustle. It's a business they're building on the side, which is phenomenal, by the way. And all of a sudden, you know, they go from zero dollars a month to $20 a month to $100 a month, $500 a month, $1,000 a month, you know, and if you finish year one, and you're earning a, a profit of about $1,000 a month, that might change your life. I think that would change most people's lives. You know, next year, you say, okay, let's go for $2,000 a month in profit next year, $5,000 a month next year, $10,000 a month. If you do it like that, normally what happens is you'll actually reach your goal faster than you expected versus if you say, well, I'm going to make $25 million this year. And then you, you go bankrupt, right? You go bankrupt and you go crazy and you fall into depression and so on. We have clients that make $500,000 a year and their goal was to earn $50,000 a year, but they took it one day at a time. They built little by little by little, and they reach their goals and then they surpass their goals. A lot of my clients don't even need me anymore, um, but they stick with me because, I don't know, hopefully they like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. No, those are great tips. So what are your thoughts about a pet rock business? You think that's a good one? Pet rock. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I feel like there are some businesses that that are coming back and there's a, you know, lots of things are cyclical. If it's, if there's real profit in it, if you could do branding, I feel like if Apple came out with a, with a 
I rock some kind of pet rock thing and they would sell it for 250 bucks. I feel like, yeah, people would buy it and, and it does absolutely nothing. People would buy it. Um, but, um, yeah, if you could pull that off, if you're great at branding, there are people who they have experience in branding and marketing and packaging and they do this stuff and they sell ridiculous products for outrageous prices and they make a fortune. But for the average person who's not good at that, uh, stick to something that you're, you know, you really know and love and, and you can really invest your life into. I think that's great advice. So Jeff, what's next for you? What else do you have on the horizon? Wow. Um, so I made a goal. Uh, I started in real estate a while back and I wanted to purchase, it's a crazy goal, but I wanted to own like a hundred rental properties. And so I'm at 10 and I'm like, I, I don't even know if I want to do a hundred anymore. I'm thinking maybe 25 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thinking to do, um, instead of just rentals, do furnished rentals and vacation rentals, things that bring in like a higher, a higher income. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really getting heavy into investing. I've gotten into Bitcoin and, and stuff like that, crypto stuff. And, um, just building up my portfolio. So it's like real estate, which is stable. And then crypto, which is like for crazy people. Mm-hmm. I was warned not to bring up Bitcoin around you. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to, <laughs> uh, I'll stop there. I'll stop there. <laughs> if somebody listening, Jeff would love to get in touch with you. What's the best way they could do so? Yeah. Uh, overflowcafe.com. Uh, just go there. You'll find social media, send an email, do not call me, please. I get too many phone calls. Uh, my secretary or someone else will return your call. I will not be able to call you most likely. Um, but please feel free to send email, social media, Instagram, Twitter's there. Yeah, check me out. Very nice. Well, I appreciate your time, your stories, and your expertise today, Jeff. Thanks so much, Jason. What is going on, everybody? We are back to the show. Was I right about those four, first four minutes? Did that grab your attention like it did mine? Good stuff. Jeff, I know you're listening. Thank you, my friend, for your time, for your story, and your your sense of humor, honestly. If you guys want to check out the show notes for this episode, you can go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 148 and get the links to all of Jeff's resources and his website as well. Guys, as always, I appreciate your ear. I appreciate you paying attention and hanging out with us for half an hour or so today. We will catch up with you next week. Until then, take care. Thanks for tuning in to Intentionally Inspirational. You can keep up with all of our new episodes on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We look forward to having you join us again next week for another great episode.